The fifth edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, reverse dunk is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! Belton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. They battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores! 17 seconds left. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another Dish the Four Corners podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. It's been about a week or so since me and Anthony both talked to you. And in that time period, a lot has happened for Carolina, both on and, and off the court, as we are fully immersed into what's been a very hectic, very busy, very historic offseason. And, buddy, we'll go ahead and dive right in. And one of the big things that's been bothering Carolina fans up until we got announced last week was the fact that, you know, Hubert Davis has been the head coach for a week and a half or so and didn't finalize his coaching staff. And last week he finally took the final steps, and he's put together the staff that is tasked with uh, getting Carolina basketball back to the top of the ACC and back to one of the best programs in the country. As we kind of – New and one piece of news that we already knew had been reported by himself, and then another piece of we knew was going to happen. Both Kendall Marshall and Steve Robinson not retained on the staff for um, Hubert Davis, who's kind of he's kind of shortened his staff as opposed to what Roy Williams had. Not as many on the bench positions, not that many people involved with uh, basketball operations as under Roy. And I think the bigger loss to this um, is Steve Robinson. This guy is a guy that deserves to be in, in the Assistant Coaches Hall of Fame. Um, was a big part of Carolina winning three national championships. Was Roy Williams' right-hand man. And I do think he would have benefited more to Hubert Davis than maybe Roy Williams in years past because he has some experience. He, know, he understands how to get through an ACC season, how to get a team ready to compete and make a run at a national championship. And for Kendall Marshall, this is a guy who's, you know, getting into the coaching side of things because his NBA career, while he had one, wasn't very lengthy um, and didn't spend a lot of time in Pro Bowl as expected. And those two guys won't be back, but we do want to thank those guys for everything they did for Carolina basketball because a lot of their success happened because of those two. So the guys that he did hold over, Sean May, 
and Brad Frederick. Sean May being elevated from director of basketball ops to a position on the bench staff. The idea is that he will probably be Hubert Davis's lead recruiter out of the the lead assistant or out of the, out of his assistant coaches. And Brad Frederick, guy who has worked his way up from basketball ops to on the staff, like Sean May has, he's been tasked with coaching the JV squad the last couple years. Those two guys are retaining the two and the two guys he hired. Um, he made it known in his presser to coach here. You had to be a Carolina guy. You had to play here. And the two guys he hired did that. Jeff Lebo. And Jackie Emmanuel Lebo was a teammate of Hubert Davis's back in the 80s, has had an extensive coaching career in Division I college basketball, although never led the any of the programs to the NCAA tournament. Jackie Emmanuel, a guy that's had a couple stops, has been with C.B. McGrath down at UNCW, joined the women's program as a, as a director of player development back in 2020. He's moving offices about a mile down the road from uh, the women's side of things over to the men, and he's joining uh, Hubert Davis's staff. Other notes, he kept Jonas Serration and Doug Halverson on. Serration is, is the strength and the conditioning coach, and Halverson is the lead athletic trainer. Both guys highly regarded as the best of what they do, not just in the ACC, but all in college athletics. So just overall, your your reaction to a staff. You got to remember, we swung and missed on King Rice, but he wanted Carolina guys, and Hubert Davis got Carolina guys. Yeah, I mean, King Rice, I think, is definitely one that a lot of people wanted, so it definitely hurts that they don't end up getting him. But I think at the same time, when you look at that, that was kind of a little bit of a pipe dream anyways because you know this is you were trying to convince a guy to leave a current head coaching job to come be an assistant at Carolina. Now, I mean, look, he probably would have been the lead assistant, so I, I think that was something that needed to be considered. Um, but he definitely, you know, you got to respect him. He took his time. He considered the fact that you know that he would be able to come back to Carolina, would be under Hubert Davis. Uh, so you know, I mean, I, a guy who I think he definitely respects. You can tell um, just from him, you know, taking the call and and, and even thinking on it for a while. Um, but ultimately, he stays a Monmouth, and I don't think anybody can really blame him. Um, you know, then that you know there were some other names that were thrown out. I mean, look, I, I don't think it's—is it a world-beating staff? No. I mean, look, you knew that the staff was probably not going to be as good as it was under Roy Williams. I mean, Steve Robinson leaving—that that one hurts. Um, you do have a former coach that is going to be on the bench in Jeff Lebo, but let's be honest. I mean, their careers are somewhat comparable, and to be honest with you, in terms of head coaching, and to be honest with you, Steve Robinson actually had a, even a little more success than Jeff Lebo did in terms of making the NCAA tournament at his stops as a head coach. So um, I think that's the, that's the good part, though, is that you do have a guy that is going to be on your bench that is experienced in Jeff Lebo. Um, you know, you've got Brad Frederick coming back that's going to be able to sort of hold over some of the things from the previous staff. Same thing with Sean May because, look, he wasn't, I guess, technically he didn't have a bench role. He pretty much had a bench role these last couple of years. Um, so I, I think, you know, those those three parts are huge. And then, I mean, you get Jack Emanuel. And, look, this I, I think that a lot of people are kind of wondering, well, how big of a get actually is that? The women's program has taken some significant steps over the last couple of years under their new head coach, Courtney Banghart. So I definitely think that there could have been worse guys that you could have added to the staff. I don't think it's the greatest staff that 
people were hoping for. Um, there were a few other options out there. I know Derek Phelps at uh, Washington State is an assistant that some yeah. people were looking at. George Lynch, Jeff McInnes. Right, but with George Lynch, that's another guy that currently has uh, – is he coaching anywhere right now? If, or if he is, it's an AAU, it's an AAU team, I, I, I believe. No, right? George Lynch coaches at an HBCU in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Oh, my bad about that. I didn't even know that. Oh, wow. And he does the podcast with Matt Doherty? Woo! Coach Lynch putting in work. Um, but Jeff McGinnis, that's another guy. I mean, look, Jeff McGinnis has done good things at Combine Academy, never been a college assistant. So it would have been a step up for him. Same thing with a lot of the other guys. I know uh, Shaman Williams, I, I believe he's an AAU coach on the circuit, maybe a high school coach as well. So that was the thing. I mean, you were going to probably be looking at some guys that didn't have a ton of experience. Jackie Manuel does have some experience. Now, it's not on the men's side of things, but still being around college basketball, he knows what it's going to be like to have to go out and recruit, stuff like that. So he'll be able to help you out in some of those respects as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I think it's a decent staff. The other thing that you look at with this is over the last couple of years, Roy Williams very rarely went out on the recruiting trail unless he had to. Hubert Davis is going to take a much different approach. He will be hands-on helping his staff on the recruiting trail. He doesn't have a choice. Because he's 50, first of all, he's 50-something years old. Most of the guys that are in the next few recruiting classes, he is the guy that was their primary recruiter before he ele- he was elevated to head coach. So he's still going to be the guy that's going to go and try to recruit them. So it'll be a different strategy. Not saying that Roy's strategy didn't work. Roy was getting older, clearly. I mean, you you knew once he got into his late 60s, you weren't going to see him on the road as much. And especially with the fact that, you know, we like, we knew it. We knew that he had, you know, some issues with the vertigo and everything like that. So, of course, you weren't going to see him out on the recruiting trail as much. With Hubert, it'll be a little bit different. That's why you probably don't have to have some of the ace recruiters on the staff because you're there. You have guys that are there more to kind of develop the players a little bit. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um I, I, you know, again, I, I think that it's it's kind of what he was looking for. But at the same time, I mean, look, he'll probably he would probably tell you right out, yeah, we wish that we could have had King Rice on the staff for sure. There may have been another guy or two that they targeted and talked to that maybe just said, look, thanks for the offer, but no thanks. But at the same time, I still think there are people saying this is one of the worst staffs Carolina has ever had. Let's relax here. It's really not that bad. Well, I think the thing that it does more than anything is if this team's going to be good, and by good I mean competing to win an ACC title, it the coaches are going to be coaching. They're they, the, and that the sense is that since Kobe White's crew left in 2019, the last two years, the perception around the program is that Carolina's not developing players like they're supposed to. Well, you want to recruit one and done, so I mean, there's not much time to develop them. They're going out after a year, so well, and, and you know. If there's one person I could have added to this staff is the guy I've been saying since he left was the biggest loss, and that was C.B. McGrath. Yeah, that one kind of shocked me that he wasn't – because I, he wasn't – he's not removed or leaving his role that, that he had these past couple – or this past year, right? As far as we know, he's still involved with the program, so we yeah. definitely thought he would be a guy that would be on that bench. I'm with you. That one. That one's a little bit shocking to me. So, um, and I mean, look, we've seen Sean May grow under Roy Williams. Brad Frederick, I mean, his role has grown. 
under Roy Williams as well. And, I mean, Jeff Lebo, I mean, you don't coach for 20-something years if you can't coach, but you never got a team to an NCAA tournament. Now, granted, where he was at, Auburn and East Carolina, you don't win there unless, frankly, you're cheating, a la Bruce Pearl. So, I mean, it's understandable he never got to the NCAA tournament. And Jackie Emanuel, that's a guy that – um, if you know, we're none of this is we're not going to complain about the staff if they're winning, but if the program doesn't win, this will be the thing that they harp on the most is that well, he didn't put together a great staff. So I think I think that's the issue where he's running into is that he didn't get a great staff in a lot of people's minds. Well, the you other got thing, Carolina guys, and that's what he said he wanted. Right. So if you win, no one's going to give a crap. And he's got he's got three relatively young guys on his staff. Brad, I mean, I don't know how old Brad Frederick is. He's probably what early forties. Yeah, he's not that old. Sean May and Jack Emanuel both They're in, in their thirties. So you've you have to take risks on these guys. What are you going to do? Hire a bunch of old heads for the rest of your life? That ain't going to work. You won't have anybody to lean on afterwards. You got to take some risks on these guys. So far, with everything that we've seen, I don't know about anybody else. I didn't get the backlash that Sean May got when they said they were elevating him to a bench role. I don't. I think he's. I mean, look, I don't know how involved he's been, but I'm assuming that he has been helping coach the big men along with with Brad Frederick. Um, and it seems like from what we've seen. He's done everything he needs to. He wouldn't be on the staff if he didn't do everything that he needed to do to put himself in a position to get a bench roll. And then with Jack Emanuel, I mean, look, this is a guy that's been, like we said, he's been around college basketball. Now, granted, it's on the women's side of things, so it's probably a little bit of a different landscape coming over to the men's side of things. But this dude's at least been involved, and he's going to know what to do. You also said he did coach under uh, C.B. McGrath, with the men's program at UNCW. So again, this guy has been places before. That's my thing about it. These are the same people that were telling us that they wanted Vince Carter and Rasheed Wallace to be on the bench, right? Yeah. No coaching experience from what we know. But you hire Jack Emanuel and Sean May, and you're complaining about the fact that the staff has guys that don't have enough experience. What in the what in the absolute hell do these people want? I just don't understand it. Like, well, it's like, it's like it's I said, it's not that bad, people. If if they win, they're not gonna they're not gonna care that he didn't bring in some big name staff. But if they don't win, this will be the thing they get they get at. And as I put in the article, keep getting the getting the assistant coach was the big was a was a big thing. I think keeping your strength and conditioning coach and your head athletic trainer are more important or just as important as head coaches. Jonas Serration is probably the best strength and conditioning coach in college athletics. Well, especially if you're gonna want to keep this team running up and down the floor like Roy liked to. And yeah. that you want to bring that back into your, which you would think with the more athletic forwards that you're looking at, he's going to be a big part of getting this done. And then with uh, with Doug Halverson, I mean, look at the last few years here. You've gotten banged up every single year, so you got to have somebody that can try to nurse these guys back pretty quick. Yeah, and you speaking of stretch or athletic force, Carolina got one over the weekend. Brady Manick, we didn't talk about him being a potential target for Carolina on the podcast. He kind of jumped week. on the. He kind of came out of nowhere and then all of a sudden committed. So it was um, pretty quick turnaround. And so Carolina reached out to him last week. He's and for. Uh, Real, you know, you understand why. Four-year player at Oklahoma, a career 37% three-point shooter, averaged 10 points and five boards for his career as a Sooner. He's your modern-day four-man, a guy that, you know, will help spread the floor and will really just open the floor for Carolina's guards. Carolina contacted him openly or 
ultimately they got him. He transferred because he got an extra year because of COVID. His head coach, Lon Kruger, retired. Didn't want to stick around for Porter Mosier as Oklahoma's going to kind of mini-rebuild on another new head coach. Comes to Carolina, and this is easily the biggest get that Hubert Davis has gotten since being named the head coach of Carolina. You uh, added it's, it's it's him or another guy. So <laughs> um you 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 more than anything. I mean you love the fact he can shoot the three and he's you know played in a power five conference and all that. You, it, there's a good chance depending on he might be your only big man as at this moment because uh, you don't know what our or what Armando Baycott's gonna do in terms of coming back to school or not. So nonetheless a big get for Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of people that, I mean, they're, they're kind of all over the place with this. I saw a lot of people that said, you know, how great really is this guy? This guy was a four-year producer at, at Oklahoma and put up some pretty good numbers. Uh, if you're looking for a reason to criticize him, it's probably for this past year. Played in 25 games for Oklahoma. That was after having a collapse along due to COVID-19. Came back, still played this year. So, yeah, wasn't at 100% for most of the year. Still shot 37% from three. Um, I mean, will easily be your best three-point shooter on this team, maybe outside of Kerwin Walton, if Kerwin can pick up the volume of shots and continue to shoot at the rate that he does. Uh, those two will probably be neck and neck. But this guy, this was the the player that you thought you were getting in Walker Kessler, but he's a little bit smaller, doesn't rebound maybe as well as Walker Kessler did. But this is, I mean, you want to stretch forwards, this is what you're getting right here. This is going to be the definition of a stretch four for you. He's going to be able to knock down some shots from the outside. His rebounding numbers aren't bad. They're not great. I mean, look, this past year was his worst year at five rebounds per game, but Two years ago, averaged 6.2. So he's got some ability to rebound on the glass for you. Um, and, and I think, you know, he does provide some some stuff, you know, on the defensive end for you. I mean, you look at his block numbers, he would have been one of the leaders on this team this past year. Um, so he, he's going to give you what you need inside. He's going to be able to stretch the floor for you a little bit. But here's the biggest thing. Is he going to be a good player for Carolina? Yes. Is he going to be a great superstar player for Carolina? No. That's the thing that I hope people realize with this. This does not... I saw people on there, well, you know, this means you know that we didn't need Walker Kessler because we got Brady Manick. He's just as good of a player as Walker Kessler. Okay. Talent-wise, probably not. But I do think that there is some potential here for him. It's just, again... You've got to sort of limit your expectations here. I think the biggest thing here is that this is going to be a productive guy at a power conference level coming into your program instead of a guy that was productive at the mid-major level coming into your program, which we saw with Christian Keeling and it didn't translate. We saw with Justin Pierce and it didn't translate. He's been in a big conference. He played in arguably top to bottom the toughest conference in college basketball this this past year. And I've made that known all since Hebrew Davis became the head coach and said, we're going to use the, the transfer portal. All of the major guys that Carolina has been involved with have came from a Power 5 or Power 6 conference from the college basketball, in, in the college basketball world. He understands that yep. you can't, you can't go to the mid-majors to get one-year guys. You can go there to get two- to three-year guys that's but right now you're trying to fix your roster with one year dudes. You're not doing that at the mid major level because well, it didn't work well, out with Christian Keeling right. and Justin Pierce. It's not going to work under our new head coach 
and a new staff. The only way you do that is if there's a Steph Curry type player where, like, with Steph, if the transfer portal was was a thing back when he was a senior, and let's say he entered the transfer portal, you would have taken that right. risk because how good. But unless you see that type of player, I get which like that's the thing. Everybody was really liking the pickup that Virginia had of Jaden Gardner. There's no guarantee that he's going to be successful. He averaged eighteen point three a game at East Carolina. That team was not good a year ago. You're in a much smaller conference, so who knows if there's going to be success. That's why a pickup like this, which most people have Manic rated below Gardner in terms of best transfer portal pickups, I mean, I don't I don't see how that's possible well, because I think this is a much better pickup for Carolina. And best, best case scenario for him, he spreads the floor. You use him as a standout three-point shooter that your guards can drive. Draw a double team, kick the ball, and he shoots a three. You're never going to really run your offense through him. You're hoping you have Armando right, right, Baycott right, right. back to do that. But he brings some – you got some more size on your roster, and you got a guy that you know for four years he's produced. So he's going to produce for you. And what you uh, you know imagine is that a more advanced system that will allow him to score the ball a little more easily as opposed to Oklahoma. With his commitment, though, Carolina did miss out on the Creighton transfer, Christian Bishop. Not a big surprise. It was pretty much reported that if Carolina got Manic, they weren't going to get Bishop. And pretty much they 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 stressed getting Manic over Bishop. They wanted Manic to commit before Bishop did. That way they would have they could then go along with their recruitment. So Christian Bishop going to Texas, he picked the Longhorns and new head coach Chris Beard over Carolina and Kansas. A lot of people a little surprised that he picked Texas over the two Blue Bloods, but nonetheless the current transfer has found himself a new home. Another piece of recruiting news. You know, we stressed really all since the season ended. Carolina's got to recruit Jonas Adu. They got to recruit Jonas Adu. They scheduled a Zoom uh, meeting with him last Tuesday. Ultimately, they canceled it with him. Ended his recruitment. He lands at Tennessee the very next day. So we'll be interested to see how his career pans out up there in Knoxville because if he goes there and becomes a big time player, this will be one that slipped away from you in your home state. But I feel like if Hubert Davis and the and Carolina canceled the Zoom meeting, there had to be a pretty legitimate reason why, whether it was grades, maybe attitude, or maybe they just felt like he wasn't gonna fit. But nonetheless, he does end up in Knoxville. And lastly, Garrison Brooks, who is transferring out of Carolina, he's found himself a new home. He's going back home to play for his dad at Mississippi State. Where were y'all expected him to go once he announced he was going to transfer? And, uh, you know, a lot of people have given Garrison Brooks a lot of flack all season long, and ever since he transferred. It's unbelievable. Four-year player that produced for you. He gave you his best every night on the floor. He carried you through that 2019-20 season. That's just stuff on the court. We know all the great stuff we did for the community off the court. So we're going to wish Garrison Brooks well as he finished up his basketball career playing for us. That's always kind of cool when you get to go play for your dad. And lastly, before we get out here on another shorter edition of the podcast, since Roy Williams has retired, there's been a lot of accolades and a lot of stuff coming out memorizing Roy Williams. And we all know his love and affection for golf. The Wells Fargo Championship is going to acknowledge him. Wednesday, May 5th, will be Roy Williams Day at Quail Hollow Club here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Williams will play, or Roy's going to play a pro-am on Wednesday. And I believe head football coach Mac Brown is supposed to be, supposed to play with them or at least be in attendance. I know we're thinking about getting out there to the golf course as a chance to maybe meet Roy Williams. 50 bucks gets you access to the golf course for Monday's pro-am, Tuesday's practice round with the pros, and then Wednesday's pro-am 
for just Roy Williams. But, I, you know, I wonder how long it's going to take there to be a national state day for Roy Williams because I feel like he's kind of got the mocker. I thought you were going to ask how long it would take them to get around the golf course. I no. think Roy will be all right. This Mac, guy parred five. This dude parred, parred five holes at Augusta National the day before retiring. He so. shot an 88 better than some of the guys that we saw there the week after he retired in the Masters Yeah, and said – I, I didn't really have a clear head that day. Are you kidding me? What? But oh, I, yeah. Yeah, it kind of got me thinking, when will he have like a, you know, a, a day recognized by the state? He's one of the biggest celebrities that were born here, raised here. Well, that'll um, probably be when it will when it will be, right? August tenth, you would imagine that'll August first is, is August first. Um, it was It's always August. Roy Williams Day that day for me. So hopefully Roy Cooper will do something good up there in Raleigh and uh Give us a good day to recognize the former head coach of the Tar Heels. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Before we let you go, get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we had you covered all weekend long with all the news coming in and out of the Carolina basketball program about Huber David staff, all the recruiting news. And we're going to keep you covered as we continue to go through what's been this crazy, hectic offseason on the basketball side of things, on the football side of things. Spring game is this Saturday. We do plan on being in attendance for that, and Anthony. We'll get you guys ready for one of the more anticipated spring games in Carolina football history. And lastly, we encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on our, on, on every major podcasting feed, most notably Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. Give us a like, review me as the host, review Anthony as the host. But we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every episode right there in your podcast library. Well, with that, I do want to thank Anthony for coming on to talk a little Carolina basketball. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!